This is episode number 254. This is Building Freedom. And today, my guest is a gentleman named Maurice Philogene. Today, Maurice is a free man. Primarily, he's a real estate investor. Of course, wasn't always this way. Along the way, he worked a typical corporate job. He served in the military. He served as a police officer in the D.C. area. And I would say that the through line of what we talk about today, the through line of this episode is systematically leveraging each paycheck for a good lifestyle, putting a little bit of purpose behind the paycheck as opposed to staying in the rat race, using it to pay the bills over and over again, running on that treadmill, running on that hamster wheel, instead, intentionally, with patience and consistency, utilizing that paycheck, investing that paycheck, building businesses, investing that paycheck into businesses, investing that paycheck into a cash-flowing asset, a property, even if that's only once every five years, Maurice did it slowly but surely, utilizing his paycheck. Freedom was his purpose behind that paycheck, and a modest salary for him was, and today still is, enough to break free. Maurice is a must-follow on LinkedIn. That's where I first found out about him, Maurice Philogene there on LinkedIn. His posts will definitely challenge you to think differently. Now, without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Maurice Philogene. I loved it, enjoyed every second of it, and hope that you do too. Thank you. Yeah, dude, I see your posts all the time. <clears throat> when you messaged me, I was, I was still, I was familiar with this guy who was making these types of posts on LinkedIn, but I had not, when you initially messaged me, I was like, wait, is that the guy whose posts I've been seeing that I like? about real estate and financial freedom and just being free in yeah. general. And then I was like, oh yeah, it is that guy. I ought to, I ought to reply to him. <laughs> and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't ready at the time, but I knew I wanted to have a conversation with you for sure. Brother, so I'm I, glad to be I, here with I, you. I appreciate it regardless. I know how busy everybody is and I'm just really big at trying to get this message out. I don't, I don't have nothing to sell people. I don't got nothing to like, benefit off of it i just people should be trying to live a certain way and they are just stuck copying what their peers are doing meanwhile folks like you and i are out experiencing the world as we were intended to do everybody should be going through that process yeah well let's talk about that you know you say that there is a certain way that people, maybe they ought to live. I think you used the word should. And I actually posted yesterday, I'm just pulling this up right now. <clears throat> what I wrote was 99% of people believe, 99% <clears throat> of people believe that they are incapable of achieving greatness and will settle for a mediocre life. The level of competition is aggressive amongst those battling to achieve realistic, quote unquote, realistic goals. Hence, there is much less competition for bigger goals. Like, I feel like the path that I'm taking, maybe the path that you're taking, just going like above and beyond and building incredible amounts of freedom for ourselves, I feel like it's an easier, less competitive path in many ways than, say, like my girlfriend's trying to get a job right now. 
And it's just so freaking hard. Yeah. Because so many people are trying to do that. Yeah. Like 150 people, 200 people per position. It's yep. insane. Yeah. It, it is. And here's the issue with, here's the issue with that formula. You and I and damn near everybody else sit, sat in elementary school, high school, grade school, college, sit in the desk, face forward, say yes, sir, no, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. I have to compete with Jordan to be the valedictorian, the MVP, and the prom king. <clears throat> then we get out into the real world and it's the exact same bullshit. I got to compete with you to be the executive vice president, the CEO. There, there's no collaboration. None. None. And that's the mistake. So I, I always talk about creation, not competition. There's so much out here to do and to see and to feel. You can create with people and do very different things and live life a very unique way. But that's just not what people have been exposed to. So I don't, I don't dog the education system because we need education. I dog the way it's implemented. And it's, it's, a, yeah. it's a problem. Well, it's interesting because anything that's for the masses. Yeah. It's going. It, it kind of has to be a, a relative cookie cutter approach. Now, mm -hmm. I think that the cookie cutter approach can be improved for sure. Mm -hmm. Speaking on education, of course, but it's still going to be cookie cutter because it is for the masses. I know, man, but why not cookie cutter it towards create totally. cr creativity and, and freedom collaboration, and collaboration and thinking. I'm with and you. some 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 institutions have gone that way and are starting to move that way. We got to give the world time to catch up. But what we're seeing now, and I'm I'm a bit older than you. I'm 46 now. What younger generation before me is doing, and what my generation is starting to figure out with Internet 2.0 and 3.0, there's just better ways of doing thing doing things if we collaborate with each other. Crowd crowdfunding. Crowd sharing, sharing ideas, Google, podcast, everything is decentralized now. And the more decentralization we get, and we need some centralization, but the more decentralization we get, the more access to information people have. And that's what's starting to give people options to create their own freedom and their own lifestyle they don't need a vacation from. Absolutely. Yeah. Creating a life that you don't need a vacation from. Uh, I think that's super important yeah. you know so many people they like they save up you know those 50 weeks of the year to take that vacation for two yep. weeks like it's just i think that's a failed model a failed way of living and i do often say when i'm speaking on entrepreneurship and whatnot and that type of path and the path that i took I try not to talk down to people that have taken a less traditional path that have, and I used to, I totally used to, but nowadays I don't because some people, they're just, you've got to do what's aligned with you and who yeah. you got to do with what's aligned with who you are. And for some people, entrepreneurship will never be that. That will always be like way too against the grain. That's not the path for them. Um, and they're still smart people a lot of the time too. Um, so I try not to say that one path is like better than the other, but then there are, there are ways that, are, that it just is, I feel like it does objectively lead to a better, more free life. And this is one of those ways. Yeah, yeah I, I think it does. I will stack on what you said by saying 
I was in corporate for 25 years. I was in the military for 22 years. I was a street cop for 15 years and all three of those things at the same time. I loved all three. I really did. <clears throat> Didn't make sense for me at the beginning to go right towards entrepreneurship in a fast way. And it doesn't make sense for a lot of people. But what we can do is take our paycheck <clears throat> or take our knowledge yes. and use it. That's how I did it. I just used my paycheck systematically over the years to create a foundation of real estate and entrepreneurial businesses. Like I own a bunch of restaurant real estate in the U.S. and in the Mediterranean now. But I love my jobs. I wanted to be a street cop. I wanted that experience. I wanted to be a federal agent in the military. I ran field offices all over the world. You can have the experience you want, but the outcome of all that, because we're all expendable, the outcome of all that should be some level of freedom that you've been building towards. And I talk about freedom principles, financial freedom, time freedom, geographic freedom, like what you're doing in Mexico and what I'm been doing over the last three weeks i've been in four countries in the last three weeks nice that's geographic freedom the last two freedom of purpose i didn't become a street cop while i was doing everything else for the money i did it because it was a purposeful thing for me that's freedom and then freedom to build meaningful relationships the reason i'm in the mediterranean right now or i will be back there in a second but the reason why i'm starting to shift my life there is because i built meaningful relationships with several people and they're helping me construct a bi-country lifestyle we, we have got to focus on those types of freedoms in addition to doing things the traditional way if the traditional is for you. There's nothing wrong with traditional, but man, leverage it such that you can have your freedom beyond it. I'm 46. I think you're still in your 20s, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, when I left employment October 31st of 2021 for the last time, I retired from all three of my careers in the last two years. I was making 350. I was in a really good position. I quit. And the reason I quit is because I had enough to cover my basic family needs. And then I got all these other worldly life goals to go do. I don't want to sit in the office on K Street in DC and keep plugging away at what society tells me I'm supposed to be doing. So I, you know, I just, freedom should be a goal and an outcome of all this traditional stuff that we do. There's nothing wrong with tradition. Just give yourself life options at the end of it. Yeah. I live in an extreme way. Give me liberty or give me death. And I yeah. feel that way. Give me freedom <laughs> in my life or give me death. It's not worth living for no. me if I don't have freedom. So I want to take this as a segue and unpackage your journey a little bit. We started kind of uh, at the end, right? We kind yeah. of see, get a little bit of a picture of where you are now, but that's what I wanted to do today. Unpack your journey of your path how you've built this incredible level of freedom in your life. And it's interesting, you've taken this conventional yet unconventional path to freedom, like conventional path, a conventional path was used as a vehicle, like a W-2 job or several yeah. rather. Yeah. Yet not many people, I feel like, who take that conventional path end up free. So in that sense, it's a little bit unconventional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so- you got this job at Accenture. I, should we start there, Maurice? Yeah, why not? Yeah. So I, you got you got a job at Accenture. What was your life plan at at that point? What or you were going to say something? What do you want to say about Accenture? Where do you want to start? Listen, I'm an immigrant kid. I grew up. My family's from Haiti. I grew up new, born in New York, raised in Boston, and I grew up there through 18. And I got down to DC by way of University of Virginia. By all respects, I had the typical uh, path. 
ROTC scholarship getting into school. I wanted to play football, so I walked onto the football team at UVA. When I was oh, nice. 21, yeah, I tried off the NFL too. It didn't work, but that's okay. When I was 21, something was wrong. I felt it. And what I felt was, let me take two steps back. When I was 15, my pops sent me to France to visit an exchange student. And I traveled around the country with him and his family for 30 days. This is as a 15-year-old knucklehead kid from inner city Boston. French girls, French wine, weed, French funerals, castles. It, it, was, it was just ridiculous. And what that taught me was the world is a lot bigger than where I, where I grew up. So when I got to college and graduated, the notion of sitting behind a desk forever didn't make any sense to me because I remember what that trip felt like. And I kept traveling post that trip. Now I've been to like 100 countries 300 times. All I wanted was freedom, but I didn't know what it meant at all. And randomly, and I think the universe was working in my face, I picked up personal finance for dummies. There was a passage in there on passive income. Randomly again, I bought my first place to live when I was 23. It appreciated by 30 grand. I was like, holy shit, I made someone's salary. But after talking to my dad and him explaining equity, at the end of that year, and I think I was 23, 24, I had bought 10 more places. I just didn't- What age is this? 20, I, 23, 24, 25, in that range that's, somewhere. That's where I am now, man. I don't, I don't have that many properties, that's for sure. <laughs> it, but it was a different time. I'm too. trying, like it was, but it was, um, it was in the 2000s when there was a real estate boom. So, right. And here, here's the, the journey, and I, it's, I'll make it a quick one relatively. I wanted freedom, and I recognized that I could buy real estate, and a, a realtor gave me the advice, pay them off over time. So I just started buying condos as many as I could. Some of them appreciated. I used the money to pay some, some of them down and then coupled my salary from my jobs to pay off the rest. And I found myself in 2014. So this is 2002 to 2014. I found myself with 18 paid off places. It's like, holy shit. And that was, you know, I was 34, 35. I could leave work if I wanted. But then when you, real, when you have enough money and you can cover your basic needs, you start to realize that life is not about money. I yeah. wanted to work. I wanted to be a street cop. I wanted to be in the military. And I kept doing all those things. But what it did financially was just put lighter fluid on my game plan and just allowed me to buy more assets over time. So where I am now is buying apartment complexes. I started my own company. With four other parts, we've done maybe 20, 22 apartment complexes in two years together. And then from a lifestyle design perspective, especially the military, but my own background has led me to travel around the world. I speak four countries. I speak four languages. I want to live in between the U.S. and the Mediterranean. I'm happy in the Mediterranean, specifically Cyprus, Turkey, Greece, Lebanon. I am very, very happy there. So I'm going back and forth, and I've made meaningful relationships over there, and I've started developing real estate, and that's kind of what's happening now. I do stuff in the U.S. I do stuff in Cyprus. I mesh, excuse me, in the Mediterranean, but particularly Cyprus. I mesh the lives together, and I've created a lifestyle that I don't need a vacation from, and that's enough. And I'm very happy with it. I'm not trying to compete with anybody. Just trying to help people get their own version. Yeah. So you. Going back at the age of 21, that's when you were kind of <clears throat> turned on to this lifestyle mm -hmm. of freedom. Mm -hmm. Like, wait, this does, you know, remembering, reminiscing back on that experience at age 15, I think, mm -hmm. in France and uh, 
thinking that, uh, yeah, this is not the way sitting behind a desk. And so over the next few years from that 21 to 23, 24, 25, what, what happens in order for you, number one, to have the knowledge, the foresight to buy these condos yeah, and then also have the money to do so at that age? Yeah. The first thing is self-education. Yahoo was just coming online at the time. So self-education back then was going to the library. I was probably in the library every Saturday reading. Probably the typical rich dad, poor dad, that that purple book. (laughs) Yeah, I I definitely read that book. But I also picked up just other books that talked about strategies for getting real estate. I didn't, Jordan, I didn't care if it was the right strategy. I just cared about a strategy. That's it. So what I did was I, I kind of sunk into an entrepreneurial depression. I did. I gave up my 20s and early 30s. I did. I worked all week. And when I became a cop, I worked all night. So I was working full-time during the day, full-time during the night, real estate on the weekends. And when all the fellows was going out, I didn't. When people kept calling me to go do stuff, I didn't. I was so defiantly committed to my plan of buying real estate and paying it off such that I had a salary such that I could live my life the way that I wanted. I just fell into it and never stopped ever. So that's, that's the, the, the trajectory. And then I'll, I'll add, and I say this a lot on LinkedIn or whatever, the best two business partners I ever had were consistency and patience. It, my plan was so inefficient doing the single family racket, single buying single family homes. It was so inefficient. <laughs> but it didn't matter. As long as you execute it and just keep going and don't worry about what anyone says and, dude, why are you doing real estate? Dude, why are you dealing with roaches this weekend? Dude, why are you painting this weekend? It Just patience and consistency, man. And I kept going and kept going and got to the point where I had more money coming in than I had at work. And it took 14 years to do it. Yeah. This is up to 2014. But it doesn't matter. And it doesn't even matter how much I was making. It just matters that I had enough to cover my basic needs and then go do the lifestyle that I wanted. That's all that matters. Absolutely. Was this your job at Accenture that was uh, funding those first few? I assume you bought traditionally with like 20% down, right? Yep. So no doubt. So what I did was, well, yes, but what I did was, I'm going to caveat it. I I was really good at storing money for my paycheck. And I say storing versus savings because I was putting 60 to 70% of my paycheck away with the expressed intent of when I had enough to buy an asset to go buy an asset. And I never stopped. I still haven't stopped to this day doing, doing. The caveat is back in the 2000s, there were no, what's called no doc loans. This is pre financial meltdown in 2008. So banks were giving money to you without you even showing them a pay stub. It was crazy what was going yeah, on. Yeah, totally. So I was able to get 100% loans, 95% loans, 90% loans, and I got them all. And don't get me wrong, I, I fell into some hard times doing it, but I would never change the path of what I did. But yeah, Accenture funded it, the military funded it. And then when I became a police officer in 2008, because I had all three of those incomes at the same time. I used all that money to get as many assets as I could. Right. So you were reserve in the military and then yeah, uh, from what I understand, active for some some eight years or so? Uh, yeah, I did the equivalent of eight years of active duty because I volunteered a lot. Um, oh, man. I wanted the experience. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, police officer and 
military for that amount of time, of course, thank you for your service. Yeah, you know, really just, and, and really cool that I, I guess both of those, I mean, you mentioned police officer, but also military is also part of that freedom of purpose. 100%. Element, right? 100%. Okay. I, I was a federal agent in the military. So think NCIS or FBI, but the air force equivalent. And I was running federal law enforcement field offices all over the world. And uh, when I ran one in Turkey in 2015 in Western Turkey, that's what got me connected to the Mediterranean. Hence why I'm there all the time now. Yeah. So okay. you can't put a dollar sign, a dollar figure on experience and the military gave me a lot of it. Yeah. Moving past those three experiences, mm-hmm. you're, you're storing money, you're buying properties before, <laughs> by the way, before you're buying assets before liabilities, the Porsches, the, you know, and I think that you still drive a, a 2000 something infinity with 170,000 <laughs> miles on it, which yeah, it's uh, right outside. I don't, yeah, I, I don't think I'll, I'll be at that point. I do have a love for the Porsche, yeah, the Porsche 911 at the same time, I will be of course buying more assets before yeah. I buy that. I don't think that there's a ton wrong with with buying the Porsche 911 mm-hmm. if you can stack enough assets that pay for that and then some. Yeah. At the same time, you know, you can look at all right, 160,000 bucks and here this is the down payment, this is the payment. Well, it could do it could buy x amount of properties. Right? It, it could generate this amount. So there's always going to be that opportunity cost for sure, but yeah. you know, what's what's at a certain point like what is more, more, more passive income? Like you already said, it's not, it's not even about money. It's just having enough to like live a yep. life of freedom and do what you want. So there's a whole conversation to be had there. I didn't mean to totally sec- to totally uh, sidetrack us, but those three experiences, you're storing money, yeah. buying properties, buying assets. And then at age 37, I think you are financially free. I, so, I, yep, yes. that, that's pretty much the track. And I, I say financially free at age 37, in, I guess that's 2014, because there was more coming in from work. But technically, because I never bought all the stuff, you know, back in 2012 or 11, I was okay. But I felt free in 2014. You felt free in 2014. So what, what exactly does that mean? There was more money coming in from a different source than my company. It's the very passive hard income to, from the yeah from, from the real estate from the properties. Yes, yeah. okay. You know, and the, the power that look, man, the the power that comes with having enough money coming in, and if your job says you don't have a job anymore, you're like, eh, okay. Yeah, of it, course. Yeah, it's a it's a very powerful thing. And then you got your passive income, adding your active income on top of that, and, and having the wherewithal to go buy more assets, right? So now my assets buy assets. I've kind of gotten into that level now. And then I use that money to go do philanthropic stuff, particularly in Lebanon, but in a, in a lot of different places. Yeah. But that's what it felt like. I was just like, I'm in total control. And that's a great feeling to have. That's good. I mean, so many people... I think they confuse where the risk lies. Mm-hmm. The risk, oh, it's in entrepreneurship. So no. risky. <laughs> no, you, if you have a job any day, any time, you can be fired. 
right? You can lose that income. You don't have control of that. As an yep. entrepreneur, it is mostly within your hands. Yep. You do have control of that. So many of those traditional paths, they are, I think, riskier than the they, entrepreneurial path. They are risky. The, the, the risk in not being entrepreneurial, not necessarily entrepreneurial in business, but at least entrepreneurial in your life, the, the risk is you're giving your control away to something else. Everything in this life corrects itself. The market corrects itself, but also employment corrects itself. You and I will eventually age out. There will be someone, I'm 46 now, right? So there's someone who took over my position who's probably in his, she or he is in their early 30s and are making less and the company is getting more out of them. The military, I had to retire because I was getting to a certain age point. You have to go. Like everything ages out. Everything corrects itself. So if you don't prepare or if you don't go your route and do it right from the beginning, the greatest risk in not investing in your life or investing in assets uh, is not taking a risk. You, you have to take a risk to be able to access this planet the way that we are intended to as humans. So I'm more for betting on myself right now than I am for systems. But I understand that people, yes. there are certain people who need to exist in systems to do well. And that's okay, too. Yes. I just stress preparing for when you are not in that system and not relying on it because everything mm -hmm. corrects itself. Everything. Absolutely. So I, I want to segue into more about those properties. Like, is it truly passive income? This is, <laughs> this is and I'm at, you know, I'm, I'm asking for everyone because yeah. that's a question that a lot of people have. Is it truly passive income? Are there pains in property management or do you have certain systems in place that sort of mitigate that and make it a little bit more passive? So my, my life is automated purposefully. I don't have employees. I use a lot of apps. My, I don't receive mail anywhere, anything, because I want to be able to get, yeah, you simplify it, a, a la Tim Ferriss, and I studied his book and then some for our work week. Real estate is not passive at the beginning. All yeah. that work, that entrepreneurial depression work that I kind of referenced, that I went through, those 18, it's actually 18 condos that were paid off back in 14, it took a long time to get them up and running to the point where everything is on autopilot. I barely, I probably talk to that. There's four property managers that deal with those 18. I probably talk with them once a year, if that, okay? So they are passive now. They are passive in nature, but the work to, to get it there is not passive. And one other thing real quick, we will go in the system, we will go work our asses off for our cor corporate entity and their bottom line, but then people will say, well, real estate or any other business endeavor is too hard. It makes no sense to me. I would rather struggle and put plug something in that will take care of me for the rest of my life. I take care of you for 10 years asset, and then you take care of me for the rest of my life. That is the way that I think about this stuff. But no, real estate at the beginning is not passive if you're an active investor. But if you're a passive investor and you're investing your money, then it's totally passive. Can't you just go find... Enlist any property manager and bam, make it passive. I'm sure it's not that simple. It's however, not a, it's not that simple. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, there's a lot of property managers that, you know, you pay them 10%, they lose you another 20%. 100%. There's 100%. that. Yeah. But you get so better the, over time. You get yeah. better with it over time, better in your selection, better in automating them. You got to work on them too. But I was willing to do that work. I still do that work. Yeah. But in theory, like if you find that, 
if you find like the say you find the perfect property manager from day one, yeah, is it truly passive at that point? Yes, <laughs> oh, it is. Two, okay, I have two property managers right now, Denise and Larry. Denise runs six places. I'm going to stay away from the apartment complexes for a second. I'm just talking about single family so it's easy for people to understand. Denise runs five condos for me in one house. Larry probably runs 12, 12 condos for me or something like that. I talk with them once, twice a year, and they may reach out to me by email. And then I look at the reports they send me quarterly. That's it. And sometimes I'll get a decision. Hey, Maurice, do you want to raise the rent? Do you want to keep it the same? Here's a semantic about this particular tenant. That's it. And I can be making that decision while I'm with family in Lebanon, Cyprus, D.C., Boston, hanging out with my man Jordan in Mexico. All I need is this cell phone and a computer where you want to put yourself is in a decision in a position where you are just making decisions. So I'm just in a position where I make decisions and pay attention. But in general, I don't get involved with those properties at all anymore. I did yeah. the work. So what is the work that you have to do with a property manager to get them up to speed, so to say? Yeah, I think it's like even on the even for the apartment complexes I own now as well. Let's say for Quattro Capital, the company I started, we have a particular property manager that is growing with us across the U.S. Kimra is my partner there. So Kimra had to get used to how we operate and our expectations of the reporting that we want to see. And my, I'm happy to raise rent, Jordan, but I don't like gouging people. I will raise rent only to the extent that the repairs and renovations I've made warrants the rental increase. I'm not, you'll never catch me trying to squeeze every penny out of every so that the property managers have to get used to that style too right but once they are around you once you kind of train them and they train you to be honest right like your business partners then they understand what you expect from them on a monthly quarterly yearly basis and then that's that's it i don't overthink it i simplify everything down to a basic level and once an asset is plugged in you know why i don't sell stuff at all when I have assets? Oh, there's no reason to. <laughs> no, there's that's it. Well, people will tell you, man, hey, sell it. You have equity in it. Go buy more and more and more. I'm like, no, brother. The point was to get these things on autopilot so you can mm. live your life the way you want. Stop trying right. to get more and more and more and you know, leverage the ability you have now to live well. I think about it totally different. This episode is sponsored by Riverside.fm. People always ask me, how do you get your podcast sounding so crisp and clean? Well, Riverside.fm is one of the best tools to get your podcast sounding super professional. It is the easiest way to record podcasts and videos in studio-grade quality from anywhere in the world, all from your browser. So it's super simple, too. And at the same time, has super advanced features like recording both audio and video locally as opposed to over the internet. So the end result is that you and your guest sound like you're in the same room. So visit riverside.fm and use my code Jordan, capital J, to get 60 minutes free recording and 15% off a membership plan. The 15% discount is applicable to yearly plans or the first three months of monthly plans. Riverside.fm, code Jordan, to get your podcast sounding crisp, clean, and professional. This episode of the podcast is brought to you in part by CastBox. CastBox is my platform of choice when it comes to listening to podcasts, and it has been for over the past three years. I've been listening to podcasts exclusively on CastBox. I find it to be the most aesthetically pleasing and the most organized 
podcast app. And it seems a lot of other people do as well with over 85,000 reviews on the App Store and an average rating of 4.8. You can download CastBox on iOS as well as Android. And when you do, go ahead and subscribe to the show there. Leverage the ability you have now to live well. I think about it totally different. Totally. There's the hedonistic treadmill that mm-hmm. people talk about. I mean, at what point is it enough? I think I mentioned last week on the podcast that, I mean, dude, like if you can't, if you're making, I just threw out a number, like over a hundred thousand dollars a month and you yeah. still, that's not enough for you. Yep. Like what? Really? Yep. <laughs> now I'll probably charge past that point. I've still got some lessons to learn in my young life, Yep. but I often think about that. Yes. I mean, that I don't want to be on that hedonistic treadmill. My girlfriend presses me all the time. Like, what's that number? You know, like what, what is that number going to be that where you don't need more? And I, right. I still have to figure that out. But I, but I will tell you this about the, you don't need more concept. I agree with you. When I had enough, then I started to realize that life was not about money. It was about outcomes and people. And the reason I'm still bullish and doing a lot of things in the real estate space is because I have goals around philanthropy and giving back to society and community. So instead of me going to the soup kitchen and spending three hours and trying to do nice things for people, I generate wealth by buying and selling apartment complexes and then taking a really large percentage of my own profit and then going to do good stuff with that around the world. We, we don't. I don't want to sit on a beach and drink my ties for the rest of my life. That's not what I was trying to right, do. Right, right. No, dude, that's so depressing. <laughs> it is very boring. depressing. It's boring. Yeah. And that's not the way our minds work. I, no. I got three, four, five decades left of like hustling. But I don't have to hustle for me anymore. I just hustle for legacy of my family and society. And those are my best customers. And I'll keep pushing for them. And it's a joy because I assume because you're probably in flow with what you do, what you do aligns with who you are. 100%. There's hustle and flow and entrepreneurs will get that. Those entrepreneurial depression days, that was my hustle. I still hustle a little bit, but right now I'm in flow pattern where things are just moving in a beautiful state and I'm helping a lot of people of my own time. I don't want anything from anybody. I just want to give. I can't be a street cop no more. I'm not pulling burglars out of houses anymore. But what I can do is generate wealth or teach people how to have their own lifestyle of freedom or, you know, impact people's lives in a, in a meaningful way on a day-to-day basis. Like that's, that's kind of where the wealth, look, the good wealthy over the, I, I study wealthy people a lot. The good wealthy, I'll just say good, right? Now I get why they were giving so much money away. And what they were doing by having philanthropic causes and stuff, it's addictive. The more you give, the more you want to make so you can give more. It's kind of a crazy cycle. What a blessing that I have kind of found it and self-educated myself to be in a position to do something good for people. And But again, you know, it should be an outcome of work. This type of thing should be an outcome of us going to work hard, buy assets, put them into play or whatever your entrepreneurial endeavor is such that you can live life the way you want to live it. Yeah. Maurice, I want to wrap up with a couple of different things. One yeah. is how do how can someone know if real estate is the right vehicle for them? 
Is it for everyone? How do people know if it's right for them? It's for anyone, but it's not for everyone. It's not. I mean, there are people who should probably be in the stock market because they're skittish and they like to be able to get their money at a moment's notice or something. Mm-hmm. Like that. There are those people. There are people who just don't believe that real estate values are going to stay here. I got to get my money out. No. It is a very personal question. But here's the way that I have looked at real estate my entire life. I am in the stock market for sure. I follow the Buffett method, if you will, in certain things. The reason I've always loved residential real estate is because people will always need a place to live. Always. It will never change. If I am doing the right things by workforce quality people who want to pay 500 to 1000 bucks a month and they're probably not going to buy a house in general my investment's going to be pretty solid for a very very long time i don't think it's for everybody um, i think anybody can do it but it's truly a personal question whether or not people get in get into it and then lastly the us federal government i'm not going to i won't get into the details but the the federal government gives way too many tax benefits related to real estate that you cannot get in any other asset class. Oh, yeah. People have no idea what's going on. There are people who should be paying 50% tax and they're paying 2% tax because they're following the laws that are on the books because that's what's there. So what I do now and have for the last 10 years is study it or employ really smart people who study it for me, take advantage. What I don't pay in tax, I reinvest and go do good things with it. So real estate's a beautiful thing. So a couple of resources that I can point people to here within that Robert Kiyosaki collection. Not that I'm his biggest fan or anything. I'm actually not. Some of his upsells are a a little weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, a little weird. But there are a couple of good books within that Rich Dad collection. Uh, One of them, I think, is Tax Loopholes of Real Estate Mm -hmm. by, it's, I forget, I forget his name. I can't it. Yeah. His long-term partner, I think. Yeah. And then the other one is Tax-Free Wealth by Tom Wheelwright. And those are those are very good books, but I would also recommend rather than maybe reading those books, if you're in such a position, I would find a who, a 100%. person to, to go and, as you mentioned, understand that for you and implement that for you. It's probably, it might not be worth your time to uh, and- learn all that. No, I, <laughs> I I don't I don't want to know anymore. I want to hire good people who totally. know, know for me. I just want to throw one thing out to your listeners. You know that fourteen year period I talked about. Mm-hmm. In the last three years, I have probably ten times what I did in the first fourteen. Wealth wise, as number of assets wise, and experience wise around the world, and that's because of who. Because I connected to the right people, because I found partners, because I found meaningful connections in different parts of the world, my life has just skyrocketed in a way that is very difficult to explain to people. That is all because of connecting with the right people at the right time. We can, we can read books, listen to podcasts and all those things. That's going to get you so far. You have got to find like-minded people, people who've already done what you want to do, et cetera, et cetera. So I just want to throw that point out. Because I think it's a very valuable one to me. Yeah. Maurice, man, before I uh, ask my final question here. Yeah. <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a joy. It's been a free-flowing, effortless conversation. And uh, you're someone that I definitely would like to continue a relationship with, 100%. especially as I forge my way into the world of real estate. So many things that I can learn from you. And so 
even from afar. You know, I just yeah. love seeing your posts on LinkedIn and whatnot. I would love a real estate investing masterclass from you. It'd be great. So, so many things to learn. Uh, a relationship I definitely want to continue, even yeah. even if not for that. Like you're just a good human being, and I acknowledge you for that. And it, uh, like I said, it's been a joy. So, thank, thank you, brother. Thank you so much. Yeah. So, my final question, I'll throw it out there. What are your freedom principles? What are those principles for a freer, oh, fuller life? Thank you for asking that because this is my mission. I don't want nothing from anyone except for people to hear the following. I have come to find out that we are generally happier if we are executing towards one or more of the following. Financial freedom, time freedom, geographic freedom, the ability to be mobile and move around the world. That's really important because we just get stuck, for example, in neighborhoods and doing the Walmart thing every weekend and stuff like that. We tend to feel exploratory about life if we're moving around next state, next country, whatever. Freedom to execute on your purpose. If you found a job that is truly your purpose, or if you're executing your purpose every day, it gives you it gives you something to wake up for. Mm-hmm. You don't need $10 million if you mm-hmm. have something of purpose to wake up for, right? Yes. And then the last one is freedom of relationships. And I touched on that before. I don't mean networking. If you are in a toxic relationship with a significant other and you can't meet other people, you don't have freedom of relationships. Mm-hmm. If you're at the office 18 hours a day, and it's stopping you from meeting a Jordan Paris or a Maurice or someone who is going to unlock the next chapters of your life, you don't have freedom of relationship. So anything that stops me from building relationships in different venues in my life around the world or what have you, I kick it to the curb because we need freedom of relationships to grow. So within those five core freedom principles, that's where I spend my time trying to educate people and give people resources because I've learned a lot of them over the years organically. Yeah, amazing. That little part you mentioned about if you have something to wake up to that you're excited about, something that you're in love with, in flow with, that's better than anything money can buy. 100%. I was sitting, you know, I'm staying at this beautiful place and the pool is out there is something that I've like never something more luxurious than I've ever been in, in my entire life. And I'm sitting in there and I'm thinking, this doesn't do anything for me. Mm-hmm. This doesn't, this, even, even if I had this, this pool, this whole pool to myself, my own home, I own it. It would, that would not be enough for me. It's the mo- it's the prettiest thing in the world, but it would not be enough it would not make me happy. And then I started thinking about that Porsche that I've been obsessed with over the years. I have something better than that. Mm-hmm. And it's that I'm in flow mm-hmm. with what I do. Mm-hmm. And I love, love what I do. That is way better than any material item or extra $500,000 a month coming in. One hundred flipping percent and this is coming from somebody who generally has everything i need in life the best thing i ever did for myself was figure out my purpose 100 percent. and i did that by reading the book man's search for meaning by victor frankel i won't go into it but it can really help people it made me start to realize i don't want a massive business I don't want employees. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be the number one. I'm good being a solid number 26 and helping people. I want to flow just like you articulated 
in my purpose, which is helping people, three purposes very quickly. I need to be in love. It matters to me with family and with a significant other. I need to be loved by communities, which means I'm helping the community in some way. I've done something good for them and I need constant learning. And that's why you see me traveling so much because mobility and being in different countries all the time forces you back into a beginner's mindset where you have to figure stuff out from the beginning. Totally. (laughs) Those are my three purposes. And as long as I get up doing one or more of those, I am happy. It has nothing to do with money, everything to do with what you just talked about, which is flow and purpose. Good spot to leave it. Yeah, bro. Maurice Philogene on LinkedIn. You have to follow him there. His posts are so good. Maurice, is there anywhere else actually that you would? Yeah. To? Uh, LinkedIn is really, really a good one. And then um, Instagram, more lifestyle pictures. The past four weeks, I was in Lebanon, Cyprus, Paris, Dominican Republic, and I leave for St. Lucia tomorrow. Um, so glamorous <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i never travel like a tourist man i'm always going to see people yeah plug into life and all that and, totally um, i don't like those tourist trap places I, hate I don't i don't like the touristy restaurants nope. i don't care what country it is i will eat local like yep. i i don't want it my girlfriend and i look for are there tourists in there that's the first thing we look for if there are tourists in there we don't go yep i love it because you're not plugging into what's real down there and that beginner's mindset feeling. So Instagram is certainly one. And then if anyone wants to catch up on the real estate investing side, my company is Quattro Capital. The website is the Quattro Way, W-A-Y.com. And I can talk real estate there, Matt. But to be honest, I just love talking to people. And I've answered every single DM, which is starting to get difficult, but every single yeah. one. So if, if folks reach out, I'd be happy to have a conversation on any topic, especially getting the hell out of the rat race in the corporate world yes because that's how i want to help people maurice philogene you are the man thank you very much thank you my brother appreciate it there you have it my friends this has been another episode of building freedom my only hope for this podcast my aim is that this inspires you to build a freer fuller life one where you're not enslaved by a business whether that be your business or any other business whether you're a business owner or self-employed, the aim of this show is to help you build a freer, fuller life. And there are many ways to do that. And that's what we showcase on this show each week. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, be well.